Welcome everyone to Voice of the Valley here in the Horn Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Studios. I'm your host Dave Bell. 428-9494 is the phone number. 928-428-9494. Happy Tuesday everybody. Hope you are having a good day. Stay dry. It's going to get wet. Stay get... warm. Yeah. Yeah, the temperature is supposed to drop too. Mm-hmm. So uh that voice you hear nick nordgren Teus. he's with the boys and girls club there's a lot going on there if you follow them on social media you see there's there's crises happening and your help is needed we'll get to that in just a second mm-hmm. i have to this it life is weird isn't it though it is so yesterday i'm driving into work and for whatever reason i have the song money that's what i want in my head okay no reason i haven't heard it i nothing and I, and i was just thinking it got remade covered mm-hmm. multiple times and each cover was great okay uh first with barrett strong he was a songwriter he sang it first then the beatles in the 60s then john belushi in the 70s did it part of the animal house soundtrack. Uh-huh, yeah and then i think flying lizards was late 70s but it's that new wavy sound. Okay. So I, I kind of count it as the 80s. And then it stopped. And I was thinking, boy, that's a darn shame that, that nobody been. has yeah, covered yeah. it again. It's a great song. And then I, I look at my phone today, and it's Barrett Strong's birthday. Uh-huh. And then I find out the guy has written like almost all of my favorite Motown songs. Oh, nice. Uh, definitely all my favorite Temptation songs. Papa Was a Rolling Stone, Cloud Nine, Ball of Confusion, um, Just My Imagination. He wrote Heard It Through the Grapevine. He was prolific. All the memorable ones. Yeah, with, with the Motown <laughs> uh, organization. And I'm like, why was I thinking of money yesterday? Out of nowhere, <laughs> literally out of nowhere, and it turns out it's his birthday. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. I've had Fast Car on my mind since the Grammy. So yeah. <laughs> Fast Car has been on my mind since that Grammy performance and Tracy Chapman coming, you know, out of out of hiding, I guess, or retirement to uh, perform with, you know, I, I had my... Not my issues, but I, you know, the Luke Combs remake and and I, I like it. I really do. But I'm also, you know, when there's a classic song like that and, and, and it just has that soul and that vibe and I don't, you know, to me, it's not recreatable, but, you know, covers are done well sometimes. Absolutely. Uh, in my opinion, the best rock song ever is Twist and Shout. Okay. <laughs> but, but it's the Beatles version, not okay. the Isley Brothers. Or the original. I don't remember who did the uh, original. See, and I, I can only think of the Isley Brothers version. Right. But to me, it's the Beatles because it's taking a soul song mm-hmm. written by an African-American man mm-hmm. and interpreting it through a white British lens. Yes. But they're Liverpudlian, which means they're like the Arkansas <laughs> yeah. of, of, right, of England. Right. <laughs> So it's it's got that that whole jumble in there yeah, of yeah. you know working class guys singing about something, and it just it just works. Yeah. So they pull in that soul of the UK into yeah. the song, in, into the American mm-hmm. soul, and yeah. it just creates something new. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I I was a Tracy Chapman fan. Uh, give me one reason. My personal favorite is talking about a revolution. Yes, by Tracy Chapman. Mm-hmm. That's my absolute favorite from yeah. her. Um, and yeah, I agree. I thought Combs did a respectable job. 
uh, in covering it. Mm-hmm. I I personally like covers that do something a little different. Different, yeah. I don't want a one for one remake, right? Because yeah. I'll just listen to the original. Then yeah. you can't top the original. Yeah, it's good listening. It it again. It it's being recreated and trying to recreate recreate what was originally with that song in the first place was, you know, it's that's not recreatable, but a remake of the song. And he did it well. He did it well. He did. And he did it <clears throat> respectfully. And yeah. and by all accounts, just was a fan and said, I want to do this song. Yeah. Um, but let's face it, it's it's not a song for a white country singer. Right, right. So I give him credit for doing it. <laughs> right. But, it's not me doing karaoke to my favorite song. Yeah. Uh, but it is, it is, you know. And the cool thing is uh, I've heard a lot more Tracy Chapman on the radio. Yes. Which means Tracy Chapman's getting paid. Yes. And so, you know, we're hearing the minor hits mm-hmm. and I'm fine with that. Yeah. Good for her. She's making some money. Right. So if that, if Luke Combs is what it took to get Tracy some money. Yeah. What I like is the younger generation going, who's Tracy Chapman? <laughs> I, you know, that was what <laughs> they, they've heard Luke Combs version and they like it. And then you say, uh, that's Tracy Chapman's classic. And who's Tracy Chapman? <laughs> well, it was 30 years ago. <laughs> world day world. <laughs> I, you know, shoot, I go back to the monkeys, man. I, my, my first 45 was stepping stone by the monkeys 45 i still remember 45s i didn't have any but you know my neighbors who were a uh, couple of young ladies who are a little bit older had journey air supply um oh the the band from the uk the the disco band i can't even remember right disco now but abba yeah abba abba well they're yeah. actually sweden yeah. Okay, it was in yeah. Sweden. I knew it was somewhere in that area. But, you know, 45s, I remember them, but I was not, I didn't own any, and I didn't have the little record player and stuff like that. So yeah. I was, I jumped right into the cassette, <laughs> cassette era. Oh, cassettes I were remember, one. you know, eight tracks, but again, you know, those weren't, cassettes were my my thing. Cassettes were our version of piracy, mm-hmm. of digital piracy. Right, because we could re- we could record on the radio and listen to the radio and uh, record our favorite well, songs. I, <laughs> I had a friend who had a decent stereo system, so we would play the record on his system and then make copies for the rest of us. Yeah. That was the only way to hear in the car. Hey, there's nothing like a good mixtape. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I still have a couple floating around somewhere, Yeah, but one, nothing to play them on. <laughs> one guy would buy the record and you'd rotate uh-huh. it around. Yeah. Yep. Hey, it's your turn to buy this one. Uh-huh. And then we'd all buy cassettes. Yeah. yeah. That's when music took some work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You had to work for your, you now had to you work to steal your music and, and play it on your phone instantly. Download it, play it on your phone. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're Napster generation, right? Mm, I, I am, but I, I did never, I didn't get into it. I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't a Napster. <clears throat> I was, uh, I had just started in radio. So this is 20 years ago, 2000. Uh-huh. And our production manager yeah. was like, oh, there's this free system for music and it's got everything. And that was before, of course. Mm-hmm. And I'm on, I'm on the artist side on this one. Yeah. I mean, look, it was nice downloading music all day long. It was. But the reality is those folks created it. They should be paid for it. Of course. And, and that was something, you know, in the, when I first got into ownership at the restaurant, the, some of the first things you get is those groups, those lawyers that um, seek to get, you know, some kind of payment for whatever music you're playing in your restaurant. Right. And I had known about this and, you know, that's why most corporate places 
make their own mixtapes and play their they don't they don't just randomly play music or just put on a CD or something and play. So that's when I realized that the world of the artist the artist doesn't make that money unless there is you know someone paying to play their music or someone playing to remake their music or someone paying, you know, and the artist will sometimes be a starving artist <laughs> until that recognition comes about. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's extremely important. That was one thing that, you know, and it wasn't a huge amount in the year to pay, but you, you know, you paid for, you know, having the right to play music all day long in your restaurant. Right. So, all right, let's talk about the boys and girls club. Let's do. I am, I'm on social media. I take a look and it's someone has stolen you, yeah. <laughs> you the boys and girls club has had the worst luck we have been i mean curveball after curveball after curveball so the van is damaged on a on a vandalism spree correct because you weren't the only ones hit gcrc was hit the mm -hmm. Safford theater was hit it was yeah. middle school was hit some yeah, kids we were part of that kind of downtown yeah some there was kids, a path there yeah just yeah. went on a tear mm -hmm. yeah um while wearing apparently an ankle monitor. Oh, I didn't know that detail. Yeah, that's 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 my <laughs> yeah, understanding. I didn't, know, I didn't know that detail. Good job. Smart kids. <laughs> you know they can and, track and now, you. And now we can see the path of destruction <laughs> which, as well as the evidence of the path of destruction. <laughs> which is why they found those particular yeah, kids yeah. that quickly. Mm -hmm. Good job, Safford PD. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was great job by Safford PD. Right, yeah. Um, so you get hit. Now it's someone has stolen... The food for the month. Yeah, the they, they broke in the back door and 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 you know raided the snacks, raided the office, got some, got a hold of some money. Luckily, it wasn't a whole lot, but still, it was some money that we, you know, Torch Club uh, raises money for their own to kind of help pay for their own expenses, and uh, you know, just like any club would within a club. Anyhow, that that was raided. A um, couple items were stolen, personal items, and it it. You know, it <laughs> in a slew of things happening, and then you know now, right now, we have a a budgetary crisis. We have a, you know we need um, some revenues to get us through the first quarter and and get us on to the second quarter. And funding has always been something that nonprofit organizations, especially the Boys and Girls Club, you know, we rely on those things. And a lot of grants and a lot of things that we apply for, they don't come in until sometimes April. And so that first of the year, depending on how the year end giving goes and how, you know, the last quarter of the year goes, it can be tight. And this isn't the first time the club has been in a pinch. Uh, you know, I, I served on the board before I took the resource development position. And, you know, we there were other times where we were in a pinch. It, it happens in nonprofits. And part of the long-term goal is to get us to a place where funding is continual and continuous and our budgets meet our needs and our revenues take care of our budgeted needs and we can slowly grow and slowly develop the amount of revenue we bring in so that we can slowly develop and bring up what the, what the club needs. I, I want to be completely honest. When I first moved here, uh, you had a, a, Different director. I'm I'm going four <laughs> four directors back. Probably yes. Um, and she's no longer in the area. Uh, and and I remember watching Safford City Council meetings mm -hmm. and her going to the council repeatedly seeking revenue, seeking revenue. money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, so I watched this for about a year, year and a half, and club must have gone before council at least four times during that I was period. Say, if I, not, if not every meeting, yeah, for a while. There. It, it was mm-hmm. at least once a quarter, right? Mm-hmm. At least, but you're right, probably more. Mm-hmm. And my first thought was, I hate to say this, but maybe the club needs to close because mm-hmm. it's not sustainable. Yes. Um, there was a change in, in leadership, mm-hmm. not on the board, but but at the director's mm-hmm. position. Yeah. And things seemed to to um, to fix to get fixed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that it we didn't hear the panic. Yeah. Um, you're brand new to this position. I am brand new I, to the position. Not, I, I, not brand new to Boys and Girls Club, but right. brand new to this position. And this is a brand new position. It is. So yeah. Uh, yeah, anybody expecting you to have fixed this in the couple of months you've been on the job, <laughs> that doesn't work I, that know, way. I, I wish I was that yeah. superhero, but to you know, it, it, it is a job that takes time to get the infrastructure in and to get you know, the culture going in that direction. For a club that didn't have an RDC before, um, the director CEO actually took care of the grants and took care of the fundraising that was needed. This is a brand new position, and it's it it comes with a shift in the board in in fundraising in general, and that whole concept, that idea of let's let's reach out and raise those funds, not just from the grants that we regularly get, but let's reach out to the community. Let's reach out to other partners, other corporations, other small businesses. Let's reach out to these people in the community and see if we can get a more robust fundraising base coming in. And that was the goal with taking on the RDC position. And yes, you're right. It seems when there's ever a change, when there's a change in guard and, and this happens with, you know, a new president on the board, this happens with the new CEO it seems that there that comes to light and fundraising and you know a cash flow issue and, and a revenue issue or a fundraising issue those things come to light when you get new blood and you get new leadership and you get new people in it happens in any organization really and uh, you know these are the things that a nonprofit just like a business can deal with insolvency a nonprofit does too. You know, I've, I've known nonprofits that have less than $500 in their account. And the lucky thing about those is that most of the leadership and most of the, you know, positions that are running the nonprofit are voluntary. So they're not paid. Uh, but what the club does and what the club is doing for the community, those are paid, those are paid positions. Those are paid staff. Those are, you know, those are things that, if we need to close the doors because we can't pay our staff, you know, businesses deal with this, nonprofits deal with this. It's it's organizational. It's not it's not just specific to the Boys and Girls Club of Gila Valley. It just so happens the Boys and Girls of Gila Valley is this is coming up right now, and and so part of the campaign we're running right now is called keep keep the blue doors open. So we're asking the community. Anything will help. Anything from twenty dollars. I think right now, you know, with my income being what it is, I give twenty dollars, twenty-five dollars a month. It's something that I can give. It's something that I can do, and and that's all we're asking. We're asking individuals throughout the community, businesses, what can you give? And if you can give monthly, then that helps us be even more sustainable because we can say, all right, this person's going to give twenty-five dollars a month, and we know that that's coming in all year long, and we can we can budget and we can actually you know, decide what we're going to do at that point. Sometimes the grant process, they're not guaranteed. Right. And one of the things when I 
moved into this position and I said very early on is we're grant heavy. We are really grant heavy. We don't have, we, if one of those grants goes away, it can really hurt one of our programs or it can really, and that's essentially what's kind of happened is that grants didn't come through or grants didn't happen or grants didn't get applied for in a timely manner. And that when you're grant heavy and you're a nonprofit, if all of a sudden the grant isn't approved or the grant doesn't come through, you're now out that, uh, that money for programs and for what we do um, at the club. So that is, was one of the things that I identified very early is we need to diversify our revenue, our fundraising. We need to, we need to get out there and, and get individual funds. We need to get people donating $20 a week or excuse me, $20 a month. Something oh, a week that would is, be better. I know a week <laughs> would be better. And, uh, and so that we, in, in the case that we may miss out on a grant or that a grant is not uh, granted or approved, we still have cash flow. And so that's one of the goals of what I am trying to do as the RDC is to diversify that fundraising and diversify how we're bringing in money. I was going to ask, what is the path? I mean, obviously the creation of your position is the first step on the path to sustainability. Yes. Um, I, I think of a couple of the other boards that I'm on, uh, I'm on GCRC uh-huh. and, uh, I just joined Secus's board and, and both are set up to withstand the grant issue. Uh-huh. And we've seen what can happen. Freeport. When you don't get a grant. Yeah. Freeport stopped its grant program during uh-huh. COVID. Uh-huh. Rightly so. Yeah. And everything had to, had to close ranks. Uh-huh. But that affected every nonprofit. Mm-hmm. It sure did. Um, people complain about uh, about GCRC buying up all the buildings <laughs> down on Main Street. I understand. I'm I'm actually on your side on this one. So we agreed that the first floors would always be retail. Uh, yeah. Um, but the reality is that keeps GCRC sustainable yes. by being a landlord and having a revenue source other yeah. than yeah grants well and i think it's the blake foundation that has the little restaurant on the corner is it not? correct main, okay. uh, the main street cafe mm-hmm. and and those are areas or streams of revenue you know that nonprofits can examine and go to and you know we're we're looking at all diverse possibilities one of the things we did this year is we want to do four events in the year and events in their infancy aren't a whole lot of revenue But like we were talking about celebrity golf tournaments, you know, we're planning a golf tournament in May, our alumni golf tournament, same thing in their infancy. They're not, you know, they're not very robust, but I, you know, there are clubs all over the country. Um, We talked about this meeting, the the club in Colorado that raises hundred thousand dollars plus on, on their golf tournament because it's, it's become a PR event and it's become a event that happens and it, you know, it, it, it's there, it's solid. And so you get the funds that you're looking for and you can, you know, pretty much guarantee that you run that event effectively every year, you're going to get that money. So we're looking to build that too. You know, we're, the plan is to have four events throughout the year, uh, specific events. Last year at the last quarter of the year, we had the Halloween bash. We had the Yuletide ball, which we're planning on doing this year too. And we're planning on growing those and, and getting, as much revenue out of those as we can. Same thing. It's part of that diversity package as part of bringing in many different ways 
outside of just the grant situation to raise some money. And and that's the key is sustainability. Yes. And that's what grantors want to see as well. Yes. They, they don't always, you know, they want to be able to grant to new nonprofits and grant to growing nonprofits and, and grant to other nonprofits that, you know, may need the help more. And uh, it, it's for us right now, we need the help. And while we're doing our due diligence and we're applying for grants and we're doing what what we do to sustain and and pull in the revenue, you know, we're essentially asking the community, you know, can you give $20 a month? Can you, as a small business, can you sponsor an event? As, um, you know, an individual small business, as a corporation, you look to sponsor event. It's, it's all part of the nonprofit fundraising package. It's the same thing that I do with the other nonprofits that I'm with. 428-9494 is the phone number. Going to take a quick break because that was a fast 15 minutes. <laughs> it really was. It flew by. It, it flew really by. did. <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break more with Nick Norger and Teas from the Boys and Girls Club right after this. Welcome back to, boy, I brought that sound down fast. Welcome back to <laughs> Voice of the Valley here in the Horn Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Studios. Nick Nordgrenteus is here. He's the resource development officer for the Boys and Girls Club of the Gila Valley, and they are in need of resources right now. We are indeed in need of resources. and uh, But in the, in the very, very short term, help them with snacks. Oh yes, like you know, we had we had our snack pantry raided, and you know, I'm I'm laughing, but it's not it's it's not funny. We we really do provide snacks for the kids, and and you know, we're trying to even make that program more robust. Right now, we have Little Caesars donates pizzas for us once a month. You know, we're we're looking for that kind of in kind donation as well. You know, I I'm reaching out to other restaurants to see if perhaps they can provide a, a hot food item in the afternoon once a month. Uh, that's other ways we also take in donations and, and how we're able to use our resources without not necessarily getting money, you know, but money and monetary is needed. But the one thing I did want to share before we leave uh, today was Boys and Girls Club. This is our 25th anniversary and we are celebrating. We're going to be celebrating all year long. It was something that we knew it was coming up, but at the same time, we didn't know how we were going to brand it. And at the same time, we didn't, we weren't sure if going the new, the new route with uh, resource development and RRD, if it was going to be a, a full, robust part of the marketing package throughout the year. With keeping the Blue Doors Open campaign being launched right now and what we need for revenue, we essentially decided 25 years is something that does need to be celebrated. It needs to be celebrated all year long and it needs something that we need to talk about all year long. From the Boys and Girls Club of the Gila Valley inception back in 1999 till now, we've maintained those programs and we've maintained that after school space for the kids in the community that need us most. We've maintained through thick and thin, through challenges for 25 years. And we're asking essentially the community to help us help us get through the next 25 years 
and you know that it's it's no it's no small feat to keep a nonprofit going and offering programs like the Boys and Girls Club does for 25 years through directors, through board members, through all that happens and you know it that people don't see happening. Uh it's it's a big thing. 25th anniversary is a big thing. Um something it's a, the average person, the average resident here may not be considering supporting, contributing to the Boys and Girls Club because they may be thinking, well, my kids are grown. I don't have anybody in the club. Uh, my kids didn't even grow up here. Maybe they've retired here, that sort of thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, all of which is reasonable. Yes. You know, however, if your streets are safe and the police aren't chasing middle schoolers and high schoolers down, and well, that's because the Boys and Girls Club is there keeping the kids engaged yes and and moving forward in a positive direction and believe me we see the irony in the the latest robberies and it, 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 we see the irony in that if these kids had been in an after school program or at the club and been a part of something that you know, it puts that energy in a place that's beneficial, puts that energy in a place that benefits not only the community, but the, the kid itself. And then, you know, it, it's a good organization that provides, you know, that after school and provides that space for a child to take those energies that, you know, can be placed in other places if they're, if they don't have a place to, to be active, a place to learn, a place to, um, you know, learn skills of living and and learn how to not take things but earn things i would say we are blessed with very little graffiti Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. of the boys and girls club because of middle school athletics Mm -hmm. because of ayso soccer Mm -hmm. um it's not just one thing i want to stress that yeah but it's all these things because of uh Matheson Music, who's got the Fiddle Fest this weekend. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, teaching kids music yes. and getting them engaged in that. <clears throat> it really doesn't matter what the kid's passion is, but the fact that there are so many opportunities for a child to find their passion and not just wander and destroy and and not through maliciousness because kids, yeah. they're, they're still finding their way, but if they don't have direction the way they're going to find isn't going to be the way that benefits us. <laughs> Lord of the flies all over, right? <laughs> yeah. So, it, you know, if, if you say I don't have any kids in boys and girls club, it's not my thing. I, I understand that, yes. but understand boys and girls club does benefit you too. And the community and uh-huh. the community. Yeah. Um, yep. we, we, we just don't have as many crackheads yes. as some communities. Although my neighbor loves to, yeah, refer. and you know, people think that Boys and Girls Club is an urban is an urban thing, and and while they do thrive in the urban areas and they're and they're funded, rural. I think the five thousand club that was open for Boys and Girls Club was a rural club. Uh, they they provide the same outlet and they provide the same services and they provide the same, you know, they fulfill that same need in the rural areas as in the urban areas. And what it is, is kids after school, kids needing, you know, something to do rather than just go home or not go home and do whatever they get themselves into. 
Yeah. But, and the last thing I do want to say, Dave, is um, our awards dinner is this weekend. Uh, you get the pleasure of being our master of ceremonies. <laughs> so if anyone is interested in attending that dinner, we do have some open seats. And uh, it is up at the Branding Iron. And so reach out to me at 480-734-7230 if you're interested in attending that dinner. And if you would like to take part and come out and see what we're doing as far as, uh, you know, our fundraisers and our stewardship. Is my man Brad going to be there? Yes, Brad is going to be there. <laughs> Brad is the Boys and Girls Club. <laughs> yes, he is. He will be there, and he will be uh, he will be in attendance with his parents. So Brad is uh, Brad. Brad literally is the poster child. Yes, for the Boys and Girls Club. And we, he's been he's been going around town with envelopes and asking for donations. He's been he's because he doesn't want to see the Boys and Girls Club go away. Nope. And he's doing what he can. He's doing his part to get out there and, and hustle for us and, and, you know, do for us some of the fundraising that, that, you know, that, that on boots on the ground kind of thing. So he's helping us. So if you see Brad out there, you know, say hello and, and let him, let him talk to you about fundraising and making a donation. Just, just be warned. You're not walking away <laughs> without giving something. Brad's tenacious. Brad is tenacious, and that's you know that's why we that's why we ask him to do those things, yeah. and he's good at it. He is fantastic. Uh, Nick Nordgrenteus, thank you so much. I appreciate you being here. <laughs> thank you, and thank you all for listening as well. I appreciate it every single day. I'm out of here for right now, but I'll be back tomorrow. Until then, think about giving to the Boys and Girls Club, and have a great day. Oh, 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 oh